Welcome back to the Las Casas Community Church Podcast. Now, whether you're listening to this on a Friday morning or a Saturday, maybe Sunday, I can ensure you this, there's nothing like a Wednesday night Bible study at LCC. I hope you enjoy the podcast. talking about creation we're doing uh hopefully the whole seven days because uh, some days aren't very much some are so day one <laughs> yeah so um somebody read genesis 1 1 through 5 and i know what i've got tonight is the new living translation In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And every and evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Okay. So this one we'll spend a little more time because we're setting up a pattern, right, Mm -hmm. that it's going to continue. If you'll remember um, last time we talked um, about verses 1 and 2, and we were talking about how we had no idea how long those um, lasted, right? Mm -hmm. And so creation as we know it or is recorded for us in detail Mm -hmm. is starting in verse 3. Right? Where it says, uh, then God said, let there be light. Um, Even though we we still don't know what happened that made the earth formless and void or empty, um, we know that the Spirit of God never left it. Because it says that he hovered over the face of the deep. Right. Um, that also that word we talked about a little bit last time can also be translated to be brooded. He brooded over the face of the deep. <laughs> Miss Penny was laughing because we were comparing the spirit of God to a chicken. <laughs> and it's true because uh, what do you call a hen when she is uh, sitting on her eggs? She's brooding. Uh-huh. She's a brood hen. And so that's what the Spirit of God was doing. If you look at the word brood, it can mean that you are looking at something with sadness um, and thinking about it. That is to brood. But at the same time, it is like you're sitting on something with anticipation, but you're waiting for the right timing. And so... In all honesty, both of those words, of both of those meanings apply. Because something had happened to make it formless and void. God did not make it formless and void. He just didn't. So we don't know. But at the time of heaven's perfection and his plan, then it started to happen. I don't know what tipped the scale, but he does. <laughs> right? So do we ask beyond this question? Sure. I may not know it. 
Well, it says there was light, mm -hmm. and there and it was separated from the darkness. But he hadn't created the sun and the moon yet. So where no. Oh, come on. Yeah, that's a great question. question. Yeah. You know what? Thank you for asking that question, Miss Penny. Unless light means something other than yes, it does. does. Okay. Yes, it does, and we're, that's where we're going. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Penny. You're just making this easy. Oh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So um, we're going to get to that in just a second. But one of the things that the Passion Translation said, and I, I want to get to this first, because so I'm going to get back to that. In the Passion Translation, it said, God said, let there be light. But if you look at the word for said, then this is what they have written in their commentary. This is the Hebrew word amar, which is most often translated said. But it can also mean to think, to imagine, or to speak inside your heart. God imagined light, and there was light. God spoke and shattered the cosmic silence to give birth to creation. God spoke ten times in the creation account, the Ten Commandments of creation. See Psalm 30, uh, 33, 9. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood firm. And then John 1, 1 through 3. We'll look at that later. God's thoughts had already imagined and shaped the largest galaxy and the smallest atom before he created them. With exquisite skill and creativity, God shaped all things by his word and spoke them into being with intricate detail and skill. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the world has been created by the rhema word of God, so that what is seen has not um, been made out of things that are visible. A dimension separate from the being of God was birthed. No detail was too small for God as he prepared to unveil his masterpiece of wisdom, his dream come true. God spoke order and goodness into his creation. The number 10 drops. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. Ten. Ten means no. What ten means is the fullness of, of of manifestation, the full manifestation of something. Yeah, but it's also the least amount for a government. Yeah. Okay. So it's important to note that the light that God radiated onto the earth first was not from the sun, the moon, or the stars. They weren't created until the fourth day. On the first day of creation, he was the light. He alone. We looked at how God used light the third time in Genesis 1, 1 through 5 last time. It's significant because it was the Aleph Tav uh, connected to it with a hyphen, so it's definitely connected to the word, and then um, it is showing us 
that the light is not a thing, it's not an object, it is a person. And so if you were to look at it, it looks like this. Okay, we would look at it and we would say it's the Aleph, uh, Tav, hyphenated, not actually, it would be this way, if you were to look at this. How it is written in Genesis 1-3, So uh, this is the olive top. So et hyphen. This is ha, right? So that just means the the or because this is a silent, right? And so uh, or looks like this. So the thing is, is it is an identifier. It's telling us who's the light. All right, now look at it like this. This rendering shows us the light wasn't a thing but a person. Jesus himself declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega, right? We were talking about last time in Revelation. Oh, he would not have said Alpha and Omega. That's Greek. He would not have said, um, I'm the first and the last of the Greek alphabet. Not as a Jew. <laughs> he would have said, I am the Aleph and the Tav, which is, remember we talked about, it's over 7,000 times in the Old Testament. It's all over the place. I never realized that until I was looking into it. And I was like, wow, you know? But it's also interesting to see where it's connected, you know? And so here is one of the times, and this is in Genesis 1, uh, 3, verse 3, where it says, and God saw the light, and that, that's what that is, and it was good. Amen? All right. So if you want to know where Jesus describes himself as that, it's in Revelation 1, 8, in Revelation 21, 6. And 22.13. So three different times in the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation 1.8, 21.6, and 22.13. And then John confirms it in John 1.1. 1, 1, that he is the word. And then actually it's John 1.1 1, 1 through 5. Now... You know, it's funny because in the early Genesis account, you see heaven's perfection in the very beginning and as it goes through and as he's creating. You see humanity's beginning and downfall all in the beginning of Genesis, not Genesis 1, but in the first few chapters. Um, you see God's promise to redeem mankind and bring us back to what Adam and Eve gave up in the garden. All of those things. And so you have perfection to downfall, but a promise, right, of hope. And then you get to the end of Revelation. Those all happen in the first three chapters of Genesis. And then in the last three chapters of Revelation, everything is put back. 
and it's restored to the garden way of life. Everything is put back. And so check this out. Um, in Revelation 21, 22 through 23, John speaks of this restoration, but he's also telling us who the light is. So here's what it says uh, in verse 22. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. So it all goes back to Jesus. He's the olive in the top. He is the light. Um, so somebody go to John 8, 12, because this has a whole new meaning now. I have all of them right there. There you go. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more, once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have a light that leads to life. It has a whole new meaning now, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So, he really is the light. In, in heaven's perfection, he is the light, right? Before anything was made. All right, so go to John 1, 1 through 14. Because John is confirming every bit of this. Uh-huh, John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning, the living expression was already there, and the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together, face to face, in the very beginning. And th through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things, for nothing has existence apart from him. A fountain of life was in him, for his life is light for all of humanity, and his, this light never fails to shine through darkness, light that darkness could not overcome. Suddenly a man appeared who was sent from God, a messenger named John, for he had came as a witness to point the way to the light of life and to help everyone believe. John was not that light, but he came to show who he is, for he was merely, merely a messenger to speak the truth about the light. For the perfect light of truth was coming into the world and shone upon everyone. He entered into the world he created, yet the world was unaware came to the people he created, to those who should have received him, but they did not recognize him. But they, who, those who embraced him and took hold of his name, he gave authority to become the children of God. He was not born by the joining of human parents or from natural means or by a man's desire, but he was born of God. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. We gazed upon his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. So again, John is confirming, and look, he's confirming verses 1, because in the beginning was the word, is what most translations will say, and he's, he's taking that olive tov place in the menorah, right, of Genesis 1-1. 
And then it's going to John, Genesis 1-3. He's the light also. Do you see how John is just following Genesis? Yeah, that's all he's really doing. And they all would have gotten it. They all would have. Um, they read it. Yeah, if they read it. All of, all of the Jewish people would have gotten it. All right, so going back to uh, Genesis 1, uh, 4, and 5. And I put this from the um, the uh, ESV. And uh, go ahead and, and y'all read it, because we're, we're setting up is what we're doing for something new. Uh, Genesis 1, 4, and 5. God saw the light as pleasing and beautiful. He used the light to dispel the darkness. I call the light day and the darkness night. And so evening gave way to the morning. The first day. Okay. So there was, and most of the time you'll see the translation, it'll be there was evening and there was morning and then whatever day it is. And it has that tagline at the end of all of the days of creation, right? All right. We're going to get to that in just a second. That's why they start at sunset. Yes, in the evening. And they still do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. So I hate to interrupt about the that before we go to the four and the five, but in the Passion Translation, it has the Hebrew word, verbs used with the phrases, let there be and there was. It's Yahweh. Really? Mm-hmm. Yah is... Uh, Y-E-H-I, let there be, and W-A-Y-H-I, and there was. Well, you know what? I didn't know that. That's cool. I need to look at that. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't even bring mine with me. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to get everything done in a hurry. Do you know what Yahweh actually means is he who is and causes all things to be? You know, and so in Revelation, where it says, he who was and is and is to come, that is Yahweh. That is, it's the name, the meaning of the name. So I'm not surprised, let there be, and there was. I'm not surprised by that. I just saw that long ago. That is cool. Thank you for pointing that out. That's good. Yeah. All right. First, let's talk about, because we're talking about days, right? So what was the day? Well, we're going to talk about that too in just a second. Yes, but um, when you're talking about the days, that was the first day or the second day. Um, The word is, what's the day, what's the word for for day? Yum. Yum, good job. Okay, so... Yeah. Yeah. It's the only one I know. Oh, no more than that. All right. So uh, for day, it is uh, yom, right? Okay. So is that a literal 24-hour day? Well, or um, you remember last time we were talking about a thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years? Okay. And that was in Psalm 90, verse 4, in 2 Peter 3, 8 if you are remembering that. But in this reference, and we were talking about that, 
um, like with the uh, the time period between verses one and two and three, right? Because it could be a long period of time. But the fact that it's using yom is very much telling us it's a 24-hour day. So check this out. According to Hebrew scholars, the word for day, yom, is used 1,997 times in the Old Testament. 88% of those times, it is referring to a 24-hour day. Now, the other times, it's more metaphorical, and that would be like what we were just talking about in Joel uh, chapter 2, where it talks about the day of the Lord. Now, that's not talking about a 24-hour day. It's kind of more of a symbol, um, you know, a metaphor. So think about this. What God is doing in creation is he is setting up a pattern for our survival, and so he is giving 24-hour time periods, and he's setting up time. He's making a day for us to be a day. Right. A 24-hour day. day because he's setting up time periods and setting a precedence. Think about it like this. Could he have um, spoke it all into creation like that? Yeah. He didn't have to wait periods of time. But he did in order to give us a pattern, to give creation a pattern so that we could survive. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's what scientists are trying to figure out. Yeah. And, and so that's why he did it that way. Okay. So check this out. Uh, this is really cool. Motion, the yeah. Isn't it amazing? The constellations are the Maseroths. The Maseroths. We're going to talk about the Maseroth too. That's what popped in my hand. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so check this out. This is really, really cool. Jack Kelly, he wrote a book called Bible Stories for Adults, and it's a really good book. Really good book. Very much uh, recommend it, and I'm using it as a resource for this. Okay? Uh, here is what he wrote about evening and morning. So their roots, the words for evening and morning, reveal the reason God began the day at sunset rather than at midnight. Dr. Gerald L. Schroeder is a Hebrew scholar with a doctorate in physics from MIT. So he's very intelligent. <laughs> yeah. In his book, Genesis and the Big Bang, Dr. Schroeder explains that according to the ancient Hebrew sages, the word for evening, arev, comes from a root meaning mixed up, stirred together, disorderly. It brings to mind the confusion we sometimes experience just at dusk when the mixed-up light and darkness can cause our eyes to play tricks on us. Yeah, Boker, like Boker Tope, right? Which is good morning. Boker is the word for morning, and it comes from a root meaning discernible, able to be distinguished or orderly. So it's kind of the opposite, isn't it? 
Uh, the word recalls the returning clarity of vision that accompanies dawn, because you can see things more clearly. So from disorder to order. As a physicist familiar with the second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, Dr. Schroeder was astonished Simply stated, the law of entropy explains that when left alone, everything in the universe will deteriorate from order into disorder. For simple examples, just look around you. Even when you apply a regular program of maintenance to slow the process, everything you own, your home, your car, even your body will eventually fall apart and stop working. Entropy is a natural law, like Newton's law of motion and gravity, and cannot be reversed. But by using these words, like evening and morning, in their particular order, God reveals that in each day of creation, he was overruling the law of entropy. He was performing a miracle every time. He was bringing disorder into order. This demolishes any argument that the earth came to be by accident or coincidence, or that man could have evolved from animals that evolved from fish, etc. Such a natural phenomenon is in and of itself impossible, since it requires that nature violates a fundamental natural law. Only an external creative power superior to natural law could have brought about earth and its inhabitants. To make sure we get the point, God repeats the phrase six times, one for each day of creation, and caused his people to begin their day at sunset, at disorder, right? Because it's evening. Every day since then, the Hebrew calendar has reminded man of God's superiority over the laws of nature by saying, first, there was evening, disorder, and then there was morning, order. Does that make sense, guys? Isn't that interesting? Only God can do that. Pretty amazing. All right. Everybody good so far? Okay. Um, so let's get to day two. <laughs> um, somebody read Gen uh, Genesis 1, 6 through 8. Day two, sky, waters. And God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed, and morning came, making, marking the second day. Okay. What translation was that? Was that New Living? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. The NASB, what it says, and it's funny because different translations, yours said space. Mm -hmm. um, in uh, New American Standard, um, it says expanse. So let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. 
right? And then in the New King James, it says firmament, right? So they're all talking about the same thing. And yours said sky, but most of the time, the word that it will say is actually heaven, right? Uh, and we could think of that like um, if you go into the heavens, you know, you're, you're uh, going up into the atmosphere up in the sky, and then heavens could even go beyond, like you're uh, taking a rocket, and you're going into outer space, and that would be into the heavens, right? Mm -hmm. But you can't take a rocket into where God lives. <laughs> right. that, that's a whole different everything, right? <laughs> okay, so, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it doesn't work well. <laughs> Do you know when the first Russian went up into space? Uh, he was an atheist, and so you know what he said? He uh, was radioing back to the earth, communicating and saying, I've been to outer space, and there is no God, mm -hmm. you know? And like, because I guess he was expecting to, to find him. <laughs> it did happen, but not in the world quick if he needed Pictographic, and so he used pictures, so we get it better, right? Mm -hmm. I'm glad. <laughs> and so, if you're looking at the word for waters, then it looks like this. Right. So that is, if you were to write that out, it is Mayim. Right? Now, that doesn't make as much sense, but if you turn it up on its side, it makes all the sense in the world. Let me show you. This, the, are you getting it? Yeah. So, look, my name is telling you it is if you're separating, this is a water, waters, actually, this is waters, and then this is an outstretched hand, and it is the right hand power of God doing a mighty deed, right? And so what is this mighty deed that he's doing here? He's separating. So... That is exactly what this picture is showing us. Isn't that cool? And so, if you look at, um, ah, there is a, I've got stuff everywhere. Um, there is a verse. Read uh, what we were just reading. In uh, verse 9, Genesis, uh, no, Six. yes, read that please. And Thank God you. Said, Let there be a dome between the waters to separate the water above from the water below. 
Yes. And so that's what he's doing. He's separating the waters. Now, notice this. It, he's telling you it's a dome. You know, no flat earth theory here. It's a dome. And then also, whose perspective is it a dome from? Yes. Well, it's his, but where is he if he's telling you it's a dome? Well, I don't know. I'm thinking it's, he's looking up, and it's a dome. He's actually taking part uh, with it. He's participating in it, right? His hand is down in it. Oh, Do you see? No, I'm just, I'm looking at the notes. Oh, okay. So for dome, it, said, it has a footnote. It says, or vault, or expanse, and then in parentheses, atmosphere. And then it says, the sea Ezekiel 122, which is spread out above them, was a surface like the sky, glittering like crystal. Mm. And that's a whole thing that we're about to get to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're about to get to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good to know. Where was that? Uh, it's the, it was the footnote for Dome. Yeah, but six. where was that? Oh, Ezekiel? Ezekiel 1.22. You told us about that before. I know, but I didn't remember where that was. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, sure, not me. I, I, um, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me show you. <laughs> so look, guys. So this is waters, right? Now, what did he do? He separated the waters, and then what did he make? He made the expanse, right? He, he separated them, and what was it called when he made the expanse? Okay, but most translations, I've not really seen sky very much, it's heavens. And the word that's actually written in the Hebrew is heavens. That's the actual word. And so uh, heavens is shamaim. Uh, and uh, is that. And then waters is my aim. So what God did is he only added one Hebrew letter. So look, let me show you. Shamaim looks like this. Actually, well, this is Shamaim and then Maim. Is this? There's one letter added, and it's she. Only one letter. Now, the uh, pictograph that goes for that looks like this. And you know what that represents? So this is the word going down. Shamayim, huh? Is it a gate? No. It is um, fire. So, God is such the scientist. So, he's telling us he separated the waters. And how did he separate the waters? He heated it up. He heated up the waters. They evaporated into the sky and made the heavens. Mm. And that's in the Word. Shamaim. Oh, wow. 
That's what God did. Isn't that cool? And you're going to do all that before he put the into the waters. Yes, but or they would die. Because it would have been too cold. You know, and well, it been, yeah, it just wouldn't work. Uh, yeah. We don't have the sun yet, right? No, there's no sun yet. See, <laughs> to another thought. Um, this thought, when God created the heavens, the expanse, or the firmament, or the sky, pre-flood, he created an atmosphere that kept Earth at a tropical environment. And so that watered itself. We'll see that in Genesis 2. It watered itself like a terrarium. It did not require rain. It never rained. Yeah. Until Noah. <laughs> Until Noah. Yeah. And so this extra water canopy protected the earth and its inhabitants from harmful ultraviolet rays, while also increasing its pressure, temperature, oxygen, and carbon dioxide levels. We could think of this environment being like a hyperbaric chamber today. So here is an illustration of this. Uh, and so, can you read that from Ezekiel again? Do you still have it on you? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Spread out above them was a surface like the sky, glittering like crystal. Okay, and so you had this extra layer. Excuse me. So sometimes what they'll call that is the water canopy. And uh, so here's the water canopy. Ozone is outside of it. You have a greenhouse effect. There was no rain. There was no wind. And so it was tropical because it was where God was setting it up. Adam and Eve could live with no clothes and no breeze. Do you know that at the bottom of Antarctica, uh, where they have found remnants of a tropical environment, under the ice in Antarctica, wow. you know. So I'm going to read this. This I thought was really cool. Uh, when the flood occurred in 2,304 BC, that's very specific, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And where this came from is uh, Carl Bach. Uh, he is a creationist uh, from the Creation Museum. And so he's the one that's writing uh, or putting this out, where it comes from. So when the flood occurred in 2003, uh, 304 BC, the water vapor canopy condensed out of the sky and deposits of coal, plants, and oil, animals formed as well as fossils. Ocean basin sinking and mountain building occurred to hold the extra water in a perpetual tropical warm climate was replaced with a much colder ice age because uh, it was warm to begin with. When they lost the canopy, it wasn't anymore. According to Carl Ball, a pre-flood uh, pre water canopy created double the atmospheric pressure we have today. It blocked UV radiation completely. Lead, concrete, and water all stop x-rays. So this canopy prevented x-rays from entering. 
supercooled ice was magnetically held up. The Meissner effect. The percent of oxygen in the atmosphere was greater than today. It was 35%. Today's level is 78% nitrogen and 21% oxygen. Breathing pure oxygen gives a person more energy, which is why there are oxygen bars. <laughs> the pre-flood <laughs> the electromagnetic field around the Earth was much greater than today. Earth's magnetic strength was, has declined to 10% in the last 150 years. And 40% of its strength in the last 1,000 years. So we're living at 50% now, right? Uh, in the last, let's see, Earth's magnetic field is therefore getting weaker, allowing more radiation to get through. In Krogog's model, five gases of DC pulse electromagnetic energy were used as opposed to less than one today. This resulted in larger living creatures and longer life, pre-flood. This tripled the lifespan of pre-flood. Piranha fish. <laughs> Had grown much bigger than normal, and the snake's venom has been altered in four weeks. Mm. Water moccasins, after two weeks in a hyperbaric, a hyperbaric chamber, were not poisonous. Mm. So God didn't no, make no. the snakes poisonous. Mm. Uh huh. Mm. Wow. Yes, and it's going to go back to that because according to Isaiah, I believe it's 66, it talks about the child will play next to the adder's hole and will not be hurt. You know, and another thing it talks about is that the bears, um, they will be eating straw, you know, when it's all restored again. Because everything ate plants at that time. The same. Um, water moccasins, not quite. There, uh, hyperbaric chambers, thank you, have successfully treated MS, leprosy, cerebral palsy, stroke, and autism. Professional sports players recover twice as fast from injuries in hyperbaric chambers. Wounds heal in minutes rather than days. Why not put one in every hospital? Because treatment is more profitable than a cure. If you cure a patient, you lose a patient. Yeah. Mm. Do you know in Russia, one of the things they did when uh, COVID was going around, uh, they built hyperbaric chambers and they were putting people, COVID patients, in hyperbaric chambers and they were like uh, being healed very, very quickly. You know? And we didn't. Now, there are hyperbaric chambers uh, in the hospital down the road. <coughs> you know? I mean, they, they do have them. Don't use them for very much anymore because they're considered, I guess, old fashioned. They shouldn't be. I know. <laughs> low cost. I know. But you know what? It's money. Yep. It's about money. Population control as well. Yes, it was. <laughs> Just. Yeah. Okay. Now, let me give you one other thing. And I can do this on here. All right. So, do you remember? The word that is used. Oh, yeah, because you, but that's a whole other something. 
but uh, the word that's used throughout all of the creation. You know what? Let me wait for Sierra. Won't there are scientists and the people who were living in bones with a artificially controlled atmosphere thinking that they could kind of recreate Eden? I don't know. There were some experiments years and years ago. That does sound familiar. Yes, there was a show, too. They made a show out of one of them. I mean, like a reality show. I don't know if it's in that, but I'm just thinking they had the, the chambers and controlled the oxygen levels and all that other stuff. I'll go ahead and draw it. Right there. Um, I need that picture back up so I can just sit and camp right there. Pre flood picture, you know. It's in your the, notes. I know. Like, I'm just like trying to absorb it right now. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm thinking, what is the I saw a rainbow this last week. I thought of the dome. The rainbow makes me think of the dome. Because it's, it's, in a, it's in a dome, yeah, and it's just like, it, it just looks like it would be a dome inside it. It just, it's it does, doesn't it? I never thought about it, but it's true. You know, I've seen a prism or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. where it's just there. But you're right, it's always in the shape of a heart. Heart just because of the way the light goes down. Oh, no, I need to sign this. I mean, it makes me think about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just... I know I've seen a prism like you can be driving like my sunglasses will do it to me where I just see a prism in the sky. It's not really a rainbow. It's just a swatch of prism in the colors, in the order, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but when you look at a rainbow, it's always, yeah, always in a heart. Oh, it's a promise that he would never destroy the earth again. I'm wanting something sweet now. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
And God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. Then these seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Okay. So, do you see an order going on? Yeah, like I just repeated the same thing. Well, yeah, but the thing is, is he started with light, because you have to have light, you know? And then the next thing is he separated the waters to give an atmosphere, because you couldn't live without an atmosphere. Nothing could live, right? And so then he brings land up. It land appears is what it says. And so then he separated the land from the sea and then he put plants on it. Because you know what? Everything was going to have to have something to eat. Yeah. Right? And they were going to have to have land to to walk on. <laughs> right? Exactly. Do you know, and it's interesting because... Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting, well, okay, we'll get to it later, but it all started with seeds. They were not plants, you know, because when you get into when God created man, he made him to tend the garden. Do you know that's even what a word, the word for a husband means? To tend, the, like his wife is like a garden and he's tending her, you know, isn't that beautiful? Wow. Yeah, and so, yeah. yeah. Um, so look at this. With each day, God is preparing a place for his ultimate creation to live, and that would be us, right? Yes. Um, notice at the end of each day, God looks at what he just created, and he takes joy in it, and then he says the same word every time. And what's that word? It's good. What's the Hebrew word? I know you know this. Tov. Uh-huh. Tov. So tov means good, but it also means to prosper, and it also means, and this is probably its biggest meaning, is to come into harmony with. It's like a musical um, uh, understanding, like when you're bringing things together and they're in harmony. And so, um, this is what I was writing, as he imagined and created, his plan prospered at his hand into a symphony that his heart came into harmony with as he created, right? Um, it was more than a work he was doing. It was a delight to him because he was thinking all the time, I'm creating a place for my children. Right? And so it brought him joy. Now, this is the first day of the week, and the only day of the week, actually, that is, he says it's good twice in this day. It's doubly blessed. And that's why I've got the picture of the people getting married. Because throughout time, they, uh, the Jewish people saw that this day was doubly blessed. And so that was the day that they decided, oh, let's get married on the doubly blessed day and start our lives together. Yeah, on the Tuesday. Exactly. 
exactly. And the thing that was perfect about that is as they were doing all the preparations and people were traveling, it was far enough away from Shabbat that they could work. And it wasn't, like, bad. Because think about if you had people who were traveling for a few days, they had time to get there and time to get back home before they couldn't travel on the Sabbath. Right? And so it actually worked out perfect. So Jewish weddings traditionally are held um, on Tuesday, the third day, the doubly blessed day. Being a lot smarter than this. Well... <laughs> For one thing, they have the scriptures, and they can read it in the original language, and that really helps. <laughs> do you know, by the way, of all that, do you know um, Einstein, uh, of course he was Jewish, um, he understood the Hebrew language. He understood the letter Vav. And Vav will mess with time when it's used. You know, it can reverse time in how it's used in the tenses. And because of that, that's one of the things that helped him understand uh, and to create the theory of relativity. Because he understood the Hebrew language. Isn't that amazing? I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So on this day of creation, God created dry land to appear creating boundaries for the sea and oceans. There are four different places in Scripture where God speaks of this dry land appearing. God set the boundaries on the sea to only allow it to go so far. Uh, so somebody go to Job 38, 10, and 11. Uh-huh. When I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores, I said, this far and no further will you come. Here, your proud waves must stop. Okay. So that's where God is making creation, and he's saying, only here, no more. Right? And so somebody go to uh, Proverbs 8, 29 and 30. I'm sorry, 8. Yeah, Proverbs 8. Sorry. Proverbs 8, 29 and 30. No, 8. Yeah, 8, 29 and 30. I was there when he set the limits of the seas, but he would not spread beyond their boundaries. When he marked off the earth's foundation. So 10 and 11. And you, you did that right. Wait, <laughs> yours is different than what I've got. It's Proverbs 8, 29 and 30. No, oh, I said 30. Okay. Yeah. And I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. Okay. So, and this is talking about wisdom. Who is the personification of wisdom? No, actually, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is wisdom. And if you'll notice in Proverbs, what uh, it's always referring to wisdom as uh, female. And all of the references to Holy Spirit are always female. All of the pronouns, uh, even the word for spirit, ruach, 
uh, it is uh, feminine. The ach at the end of it is feminine. I mean, spiritually, why? I think for one of the things, I think people want to make them all male. But, okay, for one thing, they are spirits. And so they are not limited to a form. And so what we're going to talk about, and we'll look at it uh, even today, when Adam and Eve were made, God created them. And it says, and he created them male and female in his image. They both are made in his image. And so he he is not limiting. I'm not just male. I am both. I am identifying with all of you, with all of humanity. Does that make sense? Now, yes. Now, Jesus, when he came, he had to come as a male because otherwise he would not have um, been able to do all the things on this earth with all the customs and culture that he did without being male. He had to be. Yes, he would have been severely limited in that time. But I always feel like God shows us a family. Yes. And because of that, there needs to be a feminine member of the Trinity. And there is. All of the, uh, like I was saying, the pronouns. And, and this is interesting, too. When we're talking about Elohim, right? Elohim is plural. It is more than one gods. But it's used with singular pronouns. And in, uh, in, um, all of the, the uh things around it. What are the words? Uh, the, well, adjectives, articles, every, all of the other words. I'll just put it that way. Around it, yes, are all singular. So it's telling you they're one. They are, the Hebrew word would be ikad. They are one, right? But there are three in one, yes. There are three entities, but they are one in all of what they do. In unity. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> that is a, a whole ball of wax, isn't it? It's all good. Come all right. Psalm 104, verse 9. <laughs> set a firm boundary for the sea so they would never again cover the earth. Okay. He had to put land in place and give it a boundary so it didn't cover the earth again. Mm -hmm. Right? All right. In Jeremiah 522. Five. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 522. Uh, but I I <laughs> change. No respect for me. Why don't you tremble in my presence? I, the Lord, define the ocean sandy shoreline as an everlasting boundary that the waters cannot cross. The waves may toss and roar, but they can never pass the boundaries I set. Okay. So God put that all into place 
Somebody read Genesis 1, 14 through 19. So we're getting into the fourth day. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. All right. So the first five times, or the first, uh, yeah, five times that light is used, it is or, right, that we were looking at before. At this point, it changes because it's not the light anymore, which we saw was Jesus. It becomes uh, mayor. And so let me show you what this looks like. I'm going to erase this. Well, actually, it doesn't look like that, though. The new Messianic version says it's plural. <laughs> well, I mean, it does. And I'm just talking about the lights. So the word uh, that we had before looked like this it was olive, and then there was a bomb. And then uh, rage. Uh, and this was or, which was the light. That was Jesus, right? Then we came into mayor. Okay. And so this one. Last one, Rage. Rage. Yeah, I'm struggling with that. I'm like, they both look the same. You said, I can see the ball. Rage. Rage. We haven't covered that one yet. Yeah. 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 Bob is the nail. Yes, Bob is the nail. We'll go with that one. Man, the first, how many lights are the first one? No, the first five. I'm tending to work. Let's not go further. Yeah, TMI. He's pulling out the weeds. <laughs> That's where you're going to find that. Five times in Genesis 1, 1 uh, through 5. And then this. What this word literally means, its literal meaning is chandelier. Oh, wow. And look at it like this. If you're looking at a chandelier, you have the light source, and that's why I've got a chandelier there. You've got a light source, and then you've got a bunch of reflections off of it. And that's exactly what the sun and the moon and the stars are. Yeah, and so it can also mean luminous, like the sun, but uh, 
it does not have the same meaning as, as the first. Uh, and th this was interesting too. So we learned when we were doing them that this is actually, when you put it in front of a word, uh, it's a prefix. And so what this could be is from the light. Because in, in Hebrew, what you do is you just stick a letter on, onto a word, and it, that's its preposition. And that's the prefix. Does that make sense, guys? So, my word. You put the vowel markings in there. Is that where I'm at? Uh, yes, the vowel markings aren't. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I can't get those in there. All right. Um, now, this goes far cooler, even. I mean, that's pretty cool. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. Yeah. I know. What does the, the or mean? It means light. The light. And, and so, remember Jesus was talking about he was the light before these were made? You know, and then he becomes the light again at the very end? Uh, and then he's the light of the world. So it just means so Jesus. It's basically, yeah. All right. All right. Um, notice that in this account, God never names the sun, the moon, and the stars. Yeah. What he said is there's a greater light and a lesser light. And the greater light will rule the day, and the lesser light will rule the night, right? Um the thing is, is in the pagan culture later, they would worship the sun and the moon. And he didn't want to be a part of that. So he didn't even name it. Oh. He just said, they're lights. I didn't even realize I didn't even say sun. Mm -hmm. It's just like in my brain like that. I know, because we think, yeah, yeah, it's an automatic. Automatic. But isn't there a portion... It's, it's in scripture, and I can't point it out, of course, but where they're talking about, they count the moons, and there's, I don't want to say celebrations. Oh, no, no, they do have a celebration. The Jewish people, uh, they had a celebration every time there was a new moon. Okay. And, and the reason why is because the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar, yeah. and that's how they keep up with um, the months, you know, and how how long everything has been going on, um, and to have the festivals and those kinds of things. That's exactly when, because uh, if you'll remember, it's at uh, Passover and Sukkot, the first and the last of the uh, Jewish feast uh, or God's festivals, His appointed times is the literal meaning. Um, then it is uh, always at full moons. He's looking, and that's going to be around the 15th of their month, always. And he also says it calls about the sun, because we read that in Joel. Yes. So, no, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about just in creation. No, I'm talking about what she was saying. Never mind. <laughs> well, I just, now, oh, you were talking about when the sun uh, becomes like sackcloth in some verses, and then the moon is uh, red like blood. 
Right. It, that is a metaphor. Yes. And, and, and I would actually take that literal too, but uh, it's talking about a, uh, eclipses. Because when you have eclipses, the, the sun is darkened and the moon becomes like blood, you know? Um, and so that actually is showing, and that's what I'm about to get to. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to understand, like, and so I guess at this point in Joel, where it's listed, uh -huh. where I was referring to, so at this point they're already influenced by pagan world. Yes. Yes. And why they call it the sun and the moon. Well, and it's not that God was opposed to calling it that. Yeah. It was just um, He did not name it that in creation. Yeah. Now, look at what else it says. Look at verse, uh, first, look at, oh, okay, we'll go to 14 first. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and they shall serve as signs and for seasons and days mm -hmm. and years. Okay, let me tell you what those words are. Uh, the word for signs, we talked about this last time. The word for signs is oath. And it looks like this. It in its root is almond top. And so it comes from that, which we, we were talking about, how, who is the olive in the top? Yes, it's Jesus. And so this word, uh, oat, it looks like this. It is the word that means uh, a sign, uh, a banner. Token, a miracle, proof, or evidence. That is the word oat. And so the sun and the moon and the stars were put there as a sign right? To be a miracle, to be a proof, to show us something. It's showing things to come. It's like, see this, guys, right? <laughs> and so that's what it's for, one of the things. And then it also said for seasons, for signs and for seasons. The word for seasons is moedim. Moedim, if you wanted that in Hebrew, it means literally appointed times. Or you could say, Appointments. And 
the main thing is this is the word that God uses for the feasts. Uh huh. According to Leviticus 23, where he is describing all the feasts, he is saying, these are my appointed times, and you will find them through the sun, the moon, and the stars. Mainly the moon. Rob, right? I think the first letter. Yes. Is there a dot in the or no? I can't tell. Uh, it is a dot. Yes, it's a dot on top. So it has a mo a d. celebrations is what I was trying. Yes, and that's where they were bringing in a new month. Yeah, so they would celebrate that. Talk about it very much in the Bible. No, but the Jewish people, um, they have been practicing it, still practice it. Um, and they're the, the keepers of that. Now, we were talking about earlier uh, the Maseroth. Mm -hmm. And Maseroth is just a word, it literally means constellations that's all it means so god made the constellations now when it got to babylon it got corrupted we know that and uh, when it got corrupted it became known as the zodiac there are 12 of those constellations and they revolve around the sky like a huge giant clock and they're keeping time you know, and because God set it in motion. Now, just because it got corrupted in uh, Babylon does not change the fact that who made the constellations? God did. And at the same time, who is still using them? God is. And so, huh? It's his calendar. Exactly. And so it's interesting because when you look at uh, David, David was what? What was he when he was a young man? Shepherd. He was a shepherd. And so the ancients would view the zodiac, uh, the stars, and they would tell the gospel to their children according to the, the constellations. And so... David was before or after the Babylonian... Um, oh, way before. Way before. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get my head on that. That's okay. Well, so, I know that, but... Now, this was before he was ever king. It was when he was just a shepherd boy. Yeah. Now, look this is at... This before Daniel, right, in the Babylonian time and all that, right? Well, I'm never mind. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Don't shut up. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Daniel was way after David. Okay. That's what I'm... Yes. Yes. I'm trying to get my head. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to think about it a second. <laughs> All right, so look at Psalm 19, uh, verses 1 through 4. This is what it's saying is uh, David wrote this when he was a teenager. It was one of his earliest psalms that he wrote. Uh huh. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. Day after day, they continue to speak, night after night. 
they make him known. They speak without a sound, their word, their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. To the end of four. Oh, yeah. And God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. Well, the new, what is that? The messianic version? Uh huh. At the end, it says, Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them ha has he set a tabernacle for the sun. That's cool. The Passion Translation says it really well, too. What it says is, God's splendor is a tale that is told. His testament is written in the stars. Space itself speaks his story every day through the marvels of the heavens. His truth is on tour in the starry vault of the sky, showing his skill in creation's craftsmanship. Each day gushes out its message to the next, night with night, whispering its knowledge to all, without a sound, without a word, without a voice being heard. Yet all the world can see its story. Everywhere its gospel is clearly read, so all may know. And see, that's just it. It will all be without any excuse. God will say, I put it everywhere. I put the gospel everywhere. And it was in the stars above you every night. You know, um, it's all through creation. Because he's putting his pattern, are you seeing that? His pattern all throughout creation because it's it's who he is right okay a footnote did you yeah. hear it no go ahead says the heavens are continually rehearsing the glory of god wow that's beautiful. that reminds me of louis giglio yes his phrases and where he's got all the animals and all oh, yeah. oh my gosh when the gratitude song mm -hmm. when he's Doing the yelling, yeah. I vision. I can literally hear that. It's That's a cool. major praise. That's where it gets me because I'm like the Lou Giglio and all that, and just knowing that everything on this earth praises him. Mm -hmm. And he reaches the whale and all that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That um, the impression. Uh -huh. It's on YouTube. Yes. Uh, Lou Giglio, like yeah. whales. Stars sing something like that. Yeah, it was beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. Love it. Love it. And that song, it just cap, it, it just captures it, and it just brings it home to me. Mm -hmm. It's just beautiful. They even recorded the planets, wasn't it? Yeah, there was the planets. Solar system. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, stars. certain stars, yeah. and yeah, the Milky Way. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it? But the baby, when the babies come out and they're born, take their first breath. They speak the name of God until they die. You know, the dying breath. There's a church on Halls of Pike that they, they No, you're fine. On Halls of Pike, I've always, when I go to work or come home, I read their sign. Has said today's was a when you worship, you're giving God his breath back. Ooh, 
I did, did you I, find it? Well, I have one and I can't see the title of it. Stars and Wells, I think is what it's called. Yeah, that's what yeah and it's Lou Giglio. Well, this one says Caleb E. Oh, no, I don't know that one. But it's the same thing. Okay. I, it's what you're talking Maybe about. Maybe he's the one that just put it on. Yeah, he's in YouTube. Yeah, I think so. Because I'm pretty sure it's only like eight minutes. Because I shared it with my friend that's going to come to Hebrew class. I had shared it with her. And when I shared it with her, she we, she's always, when I go with her, she's always cleaning. And she just stopped. And you could just see the tears coming from her eyes, mm -hmm. just of the realization. And it was just beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it meant so much to her that it, and then it made me, it meant more to me yeah. knowing it meant so much to her. And it was, yeah. You know, one of the things of what we're looking at, I mean, because you could look at this and say, wow, we're just really getting into like nitty gritty, you know, details. Does that really matter? You know, and, and the thing is, is yes, because we're looking at a God who painted himself everywhere, you know, and, and it's his signature. It's where he is putting himself through all of it. And he's like, seek me. Mm -hmm. I'm here, mm -hmm. you know. There's more like that little. Yeah. Like, more. like some certain artists or certain illustrators of children book, children's books, they will put if you know them, like, mm -hmm. um, I can't remember. Uh, Patricia Polacco is one of them. Uh, okay. I was thinking of the, the uh, No David, the the guy David, No David. I don't know that one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> David goes to school and everything's No David, No David, everything. But it, in the end, he's he, he's a good little boy. But anyway, there's a little dog, a little white dog in his books. That's his own actual dog, the illustrator dog, mm -hmm. the author too, because he's the author. But it's like you're, that's how I see what you're saying about Yahweh. He's yeah. putting himself there, and we've just got to look for that little puzzle. But he's piece putting it like oh, all over the place. Oh, it's everywhere. Yeah, I, that's very minuscule. Oh yeah, but but it's a good example. Right. That's, yeah. It's a visual thing. Yeah. It's a visual. I get that. Mm. Me too. <laughs> okay, so let's go to day five. And somebody read Genesis 1, 20 through 23. God said, let there be life. Let the water swarm with sea life. And let the sky be filled with soaring birds of every kind. God, God created huge sea creatures and every living creature that moves of every kind. Swarming in the water and flying in the sky according to their species. God loved what he saw for it was beautiful. I bless them, saying, Reproduce and be fruitful. Fill the waters of the sea with life and the earth with flying birds. Evening gave way to morning, day five. So, you know what? God is really showing his creativity here because look at the word in, in verse 21 um, and God created, and it is bara. So, he made from nothing uh, the fish. And the birds. Birds first, not eggs. You answered all the questions. No, actually, look, no, it's not right. Look, in verse 20, 
Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth. And, and then down in 21, and God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed according to their kind, and then the birds. So the fish came first. The fish came first. offspring and look this is the first day where God made something living right and then look at it and then he's he steps back in verse 22 and he says be fruitful and multiply and then he fill the waters and he blesses them right it's the first day that he did that oh by the way let me skip back to over here because I just thought it was interesting Uh, go back to uh, day four, and uh, look at 16. I'm sorry. God made, didn't say bara, it didn't create. It says God made, the Hebrew word is asa, meaning he made something from something else. Ooh. Yeah, the sun, the moon, and the stars were made from something else. Asa is A S A H. Two things, making two things. Yeah, he or made it, something from something nothing. else. Uh huh. Bara is to make something out of nothing. Made a saw is. It's to make something from something else. Let me give you this. I just thought this was interesting. Okay. I don't know what he did. I don't know if he did this, but he could have. <laughs> there is a hole in a, a, a like a carved out hole in the bottom of the Pacific Ocean that is the same size as the moon. It's like he scooped it out. No. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just interesting that it's a saw because he made it from something else. Wow. Yes, were uh, uh-huh, at the Tower of Babel before Babel, it could have been all one uh, and then separated with the languages, you know, and then I, I don't know how that worked. I'm just saying. Barah is created from nothing, right? Barah means to create something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And then asa, oh, I'm sorry, means something. Okay, here's another word that's used. There's three words 
and it's all that's used in this whole thing. The other is Yatsar, and it's Y-A-T-S-A-R. Y-A-T-S-A-R. And what it means is to fashion, to sculpt, like a sculptor, um, you know, to make something with your hands. What was a song? A saw is to create some, or not create, I'm sorry, to make something out of something else. So where was yachts are used? Um, when we get to man. Oh, okay. And animals in just a minute. Yeah, we, we haven't got there yet. Okay. So day five, God doesn't say it's good. No, he doesn't, does he? But he blessed it. But he blessed it. So... Yeah. Same thing he does with people. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Okay, so let's go to day six. Oh, day six. God said, Let the earth produce every class and kind of living creature. Livestock, crawling things, wild animals, eat each after its kind. And so it happened. God made the wild animals according to their species, livestock according to their species, and all the creatures that creep along the ground according to their species. And God loved what he saw, for it was beautiful. Okay. Oh, what is it? That's the passion. Yeah. said it was beautiful, because usually, you know, it was good, mm-hmm. you know, every time. We're going to stop there, because we're stopping with the animals. Look at this verse 24. It's pretty, like, wow. Okay. Let me show you what this is really saying. <laughs> Every class. That's... Okay, look at this. Then God said, let the earth produce. Earth produce. Uh-huh. Wow. Let the earth produce. Do you know what that word is? In Hebrew, it's yatsa. Earth? Uh, no. Oh, earth is aretz. But it's yatsa. And so it looks like... Uh, Okay, now let me show you what this is spelled like because you're going to want to see this in a second. Is it in our notes? No, actually it's not. This is not in your notes. So it looks like this. It's a yud and a tisade and an olive. So, yeah. Okay. Now, do you know? Let me tell you what this means. Okay. Yours, it was saying produce, right? Yeah. Okay. It can also be bring forth, uh, to come out, uh-huh. to exit. Yes, in birthing? Yep. And go forth. <laughs> and so God is saying, okay, let these exit the earth. Let them go forth, come out, bring forth. Isn't that cool? To think of that, okay, and then this is also wrapped up in the word to fashion and to sculpt. So just know this at this moment. And then I'm going to erase this part. Is, am I good to erase? Yeah. Okay. 
that's where Yatzer is going to come from too, is right? Ah, we're going to get to something else in just a second. You're going to be like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to say yes right now. What? <laughs> the whole said, wait just a second. Hey, let me. Oop. <laughs> just hold on. But isn't that cool to kind of think of the earth as like almost like spitting out animals? Yeah. You know? I mean, it's like, wow. Right? That is wild. Yeah. Literally. such as oxen and donkeys, right? And then he made some to even be pets, like cats, dogs. They have purposes too, right? Yeah. Um, some were just to be admired from afar, like a lion, a bear. Yeah. <laughs> but in each one, God let his imagination go. Yeah. <laughs> By the zebra, let's find out. The stripes, yes. it keeps, they don't have flight like horses. They get ate up with flies. The zebra does not. They said it was because of the stripes. Really? Mess with the flies? Because they get sea or something, maybe? Mess with the flies? I thought you were going to say their stripes are like fingerprints. They are unique. Yeah, because they, they want their child, or like their baby, to imprint their. Strike pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that they know their mother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then we get to the pinnacle, right? Mm -hmm. The crescendo of creation. So, huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So somebody read Genesis 1 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make, what, what? Oh, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. All right, stop. Do you know? Well, it, it, look, let's pick up a, a few other things. Then God said, let us make 
Notice it's not create, it's not bara, it's asa. Uh, it's asa in Hebrew. So make something out of something else. Something else, which is a him. Well, of him, but then also he's making him from the dust of the ground. He's making him from something else. Right? Him and the dust of the ground? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because he, he breathed into him. But you only get that in chapter 2. Okay, go ahead. You can only write that down. Okay, I'm so sorry. And then notice, like Miss Penny was saying, it's very true. Uh, look, because it's Elohim, mm-hmm. they're more than one. Uh, look in 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Mm-hmm. Not likenesses, likeness, because they're singular. And also, one other thing, uh, let us make man is what it's usually translated. The word is Adam. Adam does not necessarily mean a male. It means human. So let us make human in our image or mankind in our image. And that's the word Adam. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image okay. of God. I'm sorry, stop. Okay. So in verse 27, look, he changes it. So God created Barah, created from nothing, as only God can do. So he's using both. Do you see that? Well, because mankind is the only one that uh, he, he is changing him, giving him um, physically we're not that far off. But we have a spirit that is completely different from um, any animal. Mm-hmm. And it's the it, part of us that can, can connect uh, to him. But I just thought it was interesting that both of those words are being used. And then we're going to see Yatzer also. So all three is applied to mankind. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. No, you're okay. So God created, Barak, human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. Okay. Now, you know what? Um, somebody, like, probably just turn the page and go to Genesis 2-7, because there's something I want to pick up there. And it's, again, about when uh, humanity was created. Yahweh scooped up, Yahweh God scooped up a lump of soul, sculpted a man, and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. The man gate came alive, a living soul. 
Okay. So yours says sculpted. Yeah, the living soul that uh, is spirit. All right, let me show you this because it's cool. <laughs> All right, so the word for sculpted or formed in other translations is yatsar. And so let me show you only here, only here. This is an anomaly in Hebrew. Okay? It's spelled like this. Mm -hmm. He used two hands. He used two hands. Oh, wowzer. Two hands. Uh huh. Look, you got it, Allie. Here you go. Good job. There you go. That's the outstretched hand. Uh huh. So look, he used one hand. To create animals. <laughs> Only one. Because he didn't have to get down to do anything. He was like, you know what? Let the earth spit them out. Go. You know? Yasser, when he's creating man, fashioning and sculpting him, he uses both hands. Wow. That is cool. That is cool. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that in there. So he is uh, sculpting man, and it's his masterpiece, but it's also his companion. He is creating him in his image. You know, he's taking special care with humanity uh, because he is, and he breathes into them. His spirit. So when God was creating man, he used his hands, he used his words, mm -hmm. and he used his breath. Yes, he did. So he gave them everything because why was it all created? To make a home for us. And in, in his image. Yeah, in his image. And you know what? That doesn't mean that we're going to look like him in, in form. But it does mean that we're going to nourish you. <laughs> it means that we're going to uh, be like him in function, ruling and reigning, you know, and we were given the earth, right? Um, and this I'm not talking very much about this time because next time we're going to talk about Adam and Eve, right? Well, one time she, we were talking about, excuse me creation and his image and all that in um Luke Giglio has one on this as well. Lamin. Lamin. Oh yes, laminous. Which is a whole and well and what laminin is, it's um you're looking at our DNA mm -hmm. and what actually holds our body together. Mm -hmm. And it's shaped like a cross. You know, and if you're going with Hebrew with that even, then it's covenant. We are made for covenant. And we came, we got it through the cross. You know, that's another video that's really good to look at. Lou Giglio. And I think Giglio is G-I-G-L-I-O is Giglio. Yeah, it, it's on YouTube. Uh, laminin, and that one is called, I think, laminin, which is L-A-M-I-N-I-N. -I, -N -I, -N. I just typed in Lou and look. 
I put in Lou, and it's got Lou Giglio. Lou Giglio, how great is our God? Lou Giglio stars and whales, which is the one I was. Okay, that's the other one. Yeah. That's the stars, so stars and whales. Place to how great is our God? Yes. Um, it is yeah. beautiful. Mm. Sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, now you got one. <laughs> All right. Um, and so what I wrote for this is the entire time. God has been making a home suitable for those that he would create in his own likeness. The ones that he would he made for relationship with himself. These are the very ones he would delight in. And even when they had rebelled against him, he would come to die himself to bring them back. Yet that was for another day. At this time, he would simply stop and celebrate his accomplishments with Adam and Eve, peacefully sitting with him by his side. And that's how we have the seventh day, which is the day that he rested. He rested with them. And the thing that's interesting is this is day one for Adam and Eve. And so they never knew anything but sitting with him. Resting. Resting in the garden. Because it was a lifestyle. Amen. <laughs> All right. So somebody read Genesis two, one through three. That's the seventh day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished His work of creation, so He rested from all His work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when He rested from all His, all his work of creation. Mm-hmm. In uh, this translation, I think I've got the uh, using the New American Standard. It's saying um, at the end of that, he rested from all his work, which God had created, bara, and made asa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but do you know the word uh, in verse two, where it says, "and he rested." On the seventh day. Do you know what the word is for resting? I would want to know. It's Shabbat. (laughs) It is Shabbat. Which is the word for Sabbath. And what Shabbat means. uh And what Shabbat means is to rest. To cease. To keep and to celebrate. So, and so I, I brought this in because I thought this was really, really good. I liked it a lot. Um, this is from the Passion Translation on uh, this. So it says, God was not weary. He simply rejoiced in his masterpiece. God's work in us, for us, and through us continues through time. God's last day of creating the sixth was man's first day. As soon as man was created, he rested with God. In this way, he became one with God, dwelling with him and resting in his accomplishments. There is no mention of evening and morning completing the seventh day. For God's Sabbath rest endures forever, and there is no night there. Our true Sabbath rest is found in the finished work of Christ. 
Only one day of creation was given a name, the seventh day, which was called Shabbat. The Hebrew root word for Sabbath contains two letters that mean to rest, to, uh, to return to a seat, to rest and learn. And I love over here, uh, Chaim Bittorah. I actually read uh, his, one of his uh, devotionals. It's the one that I've been reading is on the heart of God. Uh, it's uh, really, really good. It's a Hebrew word study, uh, learning the heart of God. And it's uh, Chaim Bittorah. But Sabbath is to take a walk with God. And think, that's what Adam and Eve did. They took a walk with God in the cool of the day. And that was their Shabbat, their Sabbath. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. And so we're at the very end. <laughs> uh, I think I put it even on here. With this, all of God's work was finished, and his creation was off and running alongside and in perfect harmony, tov, with their creator. This kind of relationship with each person of humanity was the dream. And at this point, he could enjoy them wholeheartedly. We can see why the angels rejoiced over seeing God's expert yet personal workmanship, as we talked about last time in Job 38. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who sets its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched the measuring line over it? On what was its basis sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars, the angels, sang together and all the sons of God, the angels, shouted for joy? After all, This isn't the only time the angels rejoiced when God did something major in his beautiful plan. Remember the heavenly host at Jesus' birth. Mm -hmm. It makes me, there's a footnote in here, um, Genesis 1.25, God had a lamb before he had a man. Metaphorically, Jesus, God's lamb, was Mm -hmm. slain before the foundation of the world. That's Revelation 13.8. The print of the nails was upon him, him even as his hand formed the world. Wow. As the creator shaped Adam from dust, redeeming mercy was stamped upon him. Wow. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. Oh, and then I just say next time we look at Adam and Eve and their fall. And that's a whole lesson in itself. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Las Casas Community Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Las Casas Community Church. Be sure to like, share, follow, and leave a review for our podcast. And as always, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to answer those for you. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.